man, with Brett dead, I guess I have full creative control now. This could be a chance for a fresh start, to get away from that weird shit Brett put me up to. Alright, let's give this a try. This is Matt Cummins with the Night is Dark podcast. Ah, no, that won't do. My voice always sounded so dumb. Let me try this again. Okay, here we go. This is Matt Cummins with the Night is Dark podcast. Ah, that's a stupid name. This is Matt Cummins with the Dark Night podcast. The name still sucks. This is the... This is the... Matt Cummins with the... No, no, no. This is the Bad Dream Don't Sleep Real Good podcast with your host, Matt Cummins. (laughs) Wait, no. That doesn't work either. Let's see. With your host, Death... Death Scribble... No. Oh, shit. Death Scribe Von Gorslut. (laughs) Ha ha, that's it. Welcome to the Bad Dream Don't Sleep Real Good podcast with your host, me, Death Scribe Von Gorslut. This week's tale is about a creature of such horror that you'll find yourself in the middle of the night with a tingly, tainting, uh, no, uh, a taint tingling your no, no, no. Ah, uh, let's see. You'll, you'll find even your taint being tingled with chills from beyond the veil. Wait, oh god, what did I just say? That has been acting as a filter for me, making sure I don't say anything stupid. Ah, screw it. I don't need him. This week on the Bad Dream Don't Sleep Real Good podcast. Damn, that is long. This week on the BDDS... On the BDDDD... Uh... BDDSRGP... Shit, the acronym is even harder to say. Well, anyways, this week on our show, the airwaves will be full of nocturnal emissions from ethereal realms. Eldritch abominations with... Strange, archaic aeons breathing a miasma as thick as the veiled night. The, the night veil. The dark verse of this lore envelops your soul in the black tape. The blackest of black tapes, binding you in haunted places where true ghost stories are written. In blood, in the dark tome, These astonishing legends and small-town horrors will hold you at a knife point. Prepare not to sleep all that well after the bad dream don't sleep real good horror show? Bucky Bruno slipped into the doors as careful as a cat stalking mice. From where he stood, it appeared the whole side of the bar was clear. He stepped around the corner, scanning the tables for any patrons, and took a seat three stools in, making the mistake of keeping his back to the first two, which had been hidden by the decorative log support posts at the end of the bar. He sat and exhaled relief, 
and waited for the barkeep to come out and take his order. It was 9 a.m., and Bucky hoped to be good and buzzed by 10. He also hoped that he hadn't been seen entering Pals, a run-down dive bar on the edge of town. But damn it, he needed a drink. He jostled with the idea that this was a big step towards alcoholism, but the thought only made him want to drink even more. He looked towards the swinging door with a small round window where he expected to see the barkeep come walking out at any moment, smiling at him without any degree of judgment in her eyes, one could hope, he thought. And he would have to keep on hoping because it appeared as though no one had heard him enter. He turned and faced the bar to scan the booze and see what kind of drink he was going to get. He wanted a whiskey. But he knew that if he sipped on the firewater this early in the day, he'd smell like he was a liquor sweat factory. Rum would be nice, and he considered going straight for a double shot to kick her off, because sober, he was still aware that he had very little money to spend and none coming in anytime soon. Bucky turned, squealed, and nearly fell off of his seat. The large, calloused hand extended towards him had grazed the tip of his nose. Rick Drummond, a lean, weathered man said. His face was red with drink, but his features were long and sharp. He wore a kingly, graying beard, and his eyes were the kind of blue that made Bucky think of saints and other holy things. The gaze armed with those eyes was unblinking and piercing. Bucky took the hand, shocked that someone else was drinking this early, and perplexed at how he could have walked right past this tall, serious-looking fellow without noticing him. The man's hand was so large, Bucky felt like a child, so he found himself squeezing as tight as he could, but it was no use. The man's casual grip was stronger than Bucky's had ever or would ever be. Even drunks are more men than I am, he thought. The barkeep came out of the back. She was short with emerald eyes and still wore the beauty of her younger years well through the barrage life had likely given her. No one ends up tending a dive bar in the early shift without having stepped in a few shit piles of bad luck. Hey, Tina. Two double vodka orange juices. Make them stiff, Rick said. Bucky beamed at him. Orange juice and vodka. It seemed so obvious. Two screwdrivers, a breakfast of champions, Tina said and winked at Rick. There was more in that wink than mere flirtation. And if Bucky had to guess, he'd say that Rick was nearly twice Tina's age. Awe was in Bucky's eyes. Thank you, Bucky said. I I'm Bucky. Nice to meet you, the man said as he took a long drink. They sat still in silence for a moment and Bucky began to get anxious. He wasn't the best conversationalist, and he found himself stumbling through small talk, never with anything interesting to say, and clamming up more often than not. Typically, once he began to speak, his unease would spread, and he'd drop off at times with half-spoken sentences into an awkward silence. That would not happen with Rick, as Bucky would soon find out. Bucky turned and glanced at Rick, who nearly polished off his beverage in one long drink. There was an empty glass sitting next to the newly half-empty glass, and Bucky noticed two more were sitting by the bartender's sink. 
He wouldn't need to feel ashamed of drinking before breakfast with this man, but he marveled over Rick's composure. Surely he hadn't cleared four doubles already. So, did you watch the game last weekend? Bucky asked shyly. But Rick spoke right over the top of him. I went hunting, or I meant to, Rick said, and drank another long drink and held the empty glass up for Tina to see. And I ended up lost for five days. Wow, where were you, huh? Bucky started, but Rick cut him off. I went up the local access road off of 24, went 30 yards in and turned by Coos Creek over the old riverbed, and drove on up the tracks to Sand Point, you know? Bucky didn't know, but Rick kept going. Where the hill swells back and then drops off, there's a game trail there that you can follow and the terrain flattens out for a few miles. The ruts stop there, but the river is shallow and my truck sits so high I decided to cross and see how far I could drive. I made it a few miles back in before I decided to camp for the night. It was a beautiful night, Rick said and paused to consider his drink as though an answer might be found in the bottom of it. Bucky squirmed in the silence. Is that his whole story? He wondered. But just as Bucky tried to say, that sounds fun, Rick cut him off and plowed ahead. Got my tent set up. Got a fire going. It was like any other hunt I'd been on. I was camping way off of the main trails. Some people probably took horses back in that far, but all the better hunting was supposed to be up high. But I found a few years ago that if you get far enough off the main trails and go way back into the woods, the animals have figured out where the predators aren't. Them elk are sharper than a tech. Ever notice how on opening day they cross a fence from public lands to private ranches? Bucky tried to answer, but Rick just kept going. Happens every year. First sign of a hunter and those animals go where they know they are safe. Hillocks Ranch up on the south face. Damn environmentalist bastards won't let you buy a hunt. Every fall, that ranch has over a thousand head of elk on it. Them animals know what they're doing. Anyway, that night I went to sleep and woke up the next morning. I haven't told anyone about this yet, so you just keep this between you, me, and the fence post. But when I woke up, my truck had been turned. The ruts were there. Something had pushed my truck about a quarter turn. The ground was all tore up. Now, I thought it may have been a bear, but most black bear aren't much bigger than a dog. But I've seen a few big old boars on my trail cam. There was a sow once I saw, stood probably five and a half feet, which is big for a black bear here anyways. But there was a boar that chased her off on my bait, and you want to know a big, ugly, rip-snorting tear of a bear? This old boar stood seven foot on his back legs like a small grizzly. I stood right where he stood in front of my trail camera, and I was nearly a foot shorter than him and I'm six foot two without my boots. In my boots, I'm six four. But even a bear that size would have to work at moving my pickup like that just by pushing it. I was perplexed to say the least. I had a couple of cold ones the night before bed, but I never sleep that hard. At home, if the dog snorts in his sleep, I shoot out of bed. Whatever turned my truck did so without making a whole lot of noise. I pulled the truck forward because looking at what had just happened made me uncomfortable. But looking at it again, I thought my truck must have just slid when it had come to a stop the day before, and I just hadn't noticed. The morning was crisp, and I just loved that feeling, you know, the first breath of a cold morning air in the mountains. Wakes you up and makes you feel like you're alive or something. I grabbed my 270 and put it over my right shoulder. I took my Rowana ivory-handled knife and strapped it to my hip over my left pocket. I put it there so I can grab it, crossbody, in case I have to use it quick. You never know when a lion will decide to test you. 
I never had it happen, but I sure as hell have had a few close calls. I put my forty-two revolver on my other hip, making sure that it was on one of the empty chambers. It's got a bit of a hair trigger, but if I gotta bring down a charging bear, it's got more kick. I keep my twenty-two on my right side for a quick draw. So as I set off into the forest, I was gonna follow the trail, but I knew I could follow the ridge and be just fine. I got about twenty yards in, and there was the weirdest damn track I ever seen. It looked like a bear had slipped in the mud, making its foot look kind of human-like, but about 20 inches long. I looked at the pads and thought, if that's a bear paw, then I'm sharing the woods with a big old boar. I wasn't worried, though. The general direction was downhill and the day was clear. There wasn't hardly any deadfall, and the trees in the mountains here are pretty thin. If there was a bear in there, I'd see him far enough away. And the black bears typically smell you out and clear out. It's probably what the track was, a bear getting out of there because he knew I was close by. At least that's what I thought then. I only went a few hundred yards before I came across a big old buck. He was an atypical son of a gun, tines twisting and turning all over the place. One side was five points. Looked as clean and even as a Monsanto wet dream. Genetically modified perfection. The other side was a bramble of bone patches and prickles and pointy going all directions. I brought my scope up to my eye and held my breath. It was so clear out I could see the puffs of breath and the glow of the morning light beaming through the trees. I hesitated. Sometimes you just got something so beautiful it makes you hold the trigger. But a man's got to eat, and I wasn't going to pass up that buck. Right as I leveled my sights on it, something made a noise and that buck's head twisted. And then it ran. I thought it was a damn squirrel or something. Because I swear that a pine cone bounced off the tree next to it. But I didn't see no squirrel. I was downwind. Otherwise, I'd have just hiked out of there right then. No way I'd get another one if they were all smelling me and on high alert. But I went on and hiked ahead, knowing there was a little draw coming up on the other side of a clearing. I'd seen it from up above a little while earlier, and I knew if I kept southwest, I'd get there in no time. Sure enough, I came to a clearing, and there were three mule deer just sitting there, sunning themselves. I raised my 270 end. Rick stopped and took a drink, and then just stared at his glass. Bucky didn't know what the hell this man was trying to tell him, but he wasn't about to stop him. As long as Rick kept refilling that glass, Bucky was going to soak it all up. A pinecone scaring a deer, he thought. What typical hunting story pish-posh. Another round, Tina, Rick said, and Tina filled the drinks again. She had been listening from down the bar as she worked at cleaning a congealed spill of some syrup-heavy drink from the night before. Rick didn't speak for several minutes. He just seemed to be looking at the drink in front of him, as though there was something tragic at the bottom of it all. Well, that's too bad you didn't get- It grabbed me! Right then and there! That son of a bitch grabbed me! And I tried to fight, but I was like a damn ragdoll, and I passed out! Rick said, and Bucky was shocked to see a single tear running over the peak of Rick's considerable nose. The deer? Bucky asked, confused. It weren't no deer, Rick shouted as he stared with the veins showing red in the whites of his intense blue eyes. Bucky nearly fell off of his stool, and he looked to Tina for help, but she just kept on wiping. Uh, was it, uh, was it a cougar or something? It weren't no cougar either. It was. Rick leaned in and said in a near whisper so that Bucky could only hear, It was a god 
damn square snatch. Bucky started to laugh, but it caught in his chest and he choked on it. If that laugh had come out, he was sure Rick would have used those big hands of his to break Bucky in two like so much brittle kindling. I, I, I don't know what a, what a square snatch. Next thing I know, I'm waking up in a cave and I can feel it behind me, Rick said, his hoarse voice straining. I woke up and I thought for a moment that I, that I had dog on me or something. One of those labber poodles. Labradoodles? Bucky tried to interject. Yeah, a labby poodle. And it had that same curly brown hair. I thought, what in the hell could this be? As I went to move what I thought was a dog, but bucko, it weren't no dog. It was a damn hairy hand. And that hand was attached to the hairiest arm I ever seen. And then the smell hit me. And I looked around to see what a, where I was at, and I was in some kind of root system underground. But it had been dug out, and there were these spaces where the light came in through the roots. The smell was like a foul-smelling bog. Like there was too much moisture and too many natural things, you know. Too much life happening. It was the smell of nature so concentrated that it was a stench. I started squirming, and it held me there with its arms pressed up against me like... Like... Like, like I was the little spooner and it were the big one. Spooning? Bucky marveled as he emptied his drink and waved to Tina to refill his beverage. So I tried to fight, because I, I could feel it, you know, behind me. It seemed to be enjoying itself, and I got this crazy idea, you know, this crazy feeling. It was like, it was like sort of behind me, holding me like I'm its lover or something, and I started thinking, oh no, if it's male, something, something funny might happen that I might not forget. And I swear I feel it for a minute, and oh God, I start swinging and scratching and clawing until I got free, and I, I turned to see it there, kind of kind of staring at me like I heard its feelings. And I see what I thought was it, you know, well, well there was a stick kind of poking up from the ground between me and it. So, you know, I was glad to see that, because it, it turned out it was a she-snatch, Rick said, and looked at Bucky as though what he said made perfect sense. A she-snatch. Bucky marveled again, as opposed to a, a he-snatch? Yeah, this here she-squirr-snatch, Rick continued. Ah, Sasquatch! You mean Sasquatch. Bucky shouted, and Rick cocked his head to the side and looked at him like he was the dumbest human being on Earth. Oh, uh, sorry, Bucky said. Rick sat in silence for a second, and then Bucky started to say, Personally, I think they could be real. Yeah, a squirt snatch, like I said, and a female. It was a busty one, too, but you could hardly tell through all the hair. It was long and thick, lying there on its side, Rick continued, and Bucky looked back at Tina, who had stopped wiping up the bar, but wouldn't return his eye contact. He was at sea without a life preserver. He turned back to Rick, who had continued his tale. It had taken my 270 and my knife from me, but I still had my 22 and my 42 on my hips. I could see the entrance to the hole we were in, but I didn't know what she'd do if I moved towards it. I put my hands up in a passive way to show her I meant no harm. She looked back at me, and she was the ugliest thing I'd ever seen. Her face was long and with a large shelf of a brow and kind of a flat, sort of nose-like snout. Her eyes were dark green, and the same hair covered her entire body and her face. 
She looked more like a man than an ape. But she was all as hairy as a sheepdog, and her teeth were a shade of brown. Oh, man. Just looking at her made my skin get up and crawl around. Like looking at, like a bloody car wreck, or, or, or Hillary. Like who? Bucky said, but then it sunk in. He thought about telling Rick that was offensive, but then he took another drink. Bucky thought about going to the bathroom, but when he stood up, the world seemed to rock as though he were on a boat. He sat back down, and it all went still. Well, I was considering going for my gun, but the space was small, and she was so damn muscular that I didn't think I'd be able to get a shot off without her ripping the gun from my hands. That's when she took out my two seventy and started looking around at it. She flipped it around and put the barrel up under her nose and sniffed at it. Her large nostrils flared wide, and then she grunted, Oh! Then she kept pointing the gun right at her own face. As her hand found the trigger, she began to pull it the wrong way. She'd gonna do it herself, I thought. Then I started edging my way toward the entrance, when suddenly the gun goes off and a little puff of dirt explodes from the earth behind her. She starts screaming, this awful high-pitched sound unlike anything I ever heard before, and clawing at her ear, which meant the bullet had just grazed it. That's when I decided to hoof it. I climbed out of that hole in the ground and breathed the fresh forest air like I'd never get a breath that good again. I was so relieved to be away from the smell that I didn't realize she was coming out of the hole. But I was on my feet and running in no time. Rick paused again and Bucky ordered another drink. He smiled like a fool and that's when Bucky thought, I am drunk. Truly drunk. So, is that when you got away? Next thing I know, I'm hightailing it the hell out of there. I wasn't faster than her, but I'd surprised her. And I think she was still disoriented because I could hear her crashing through the brush after me. I was running so fast I didn't see the ledge coming until it was too late. It was only about a nine-foot drop, but I took it at full speed, and when I hit the ground, I tried to roll. I felt my bad knee light up, and the ground gave way just before I overextended it, and then I flipped, and I knocked my head on a stump. All I could manage to do was crawl on my knees. I couldn't see where I was going or what I was doing because I felt like I had fireworks sparking up in my skull. I found myself wedged between two large rocks, and so I climbed up between them and then I held my breath. I could hear it snorting up on the rocks behind me. I craned my neck, and I found that on the top of the rocks there was this little bush. I stood quietly and peeked through, and that's when I saw her starting to throw a fit. She stormed around, kicking rocks, and snapped down branches thicker than my arm like nothing but twigs. She moaned a sort of, ow sound. Bucky nearly jumped off of his seat as Rick went on with his tail. Then she sat down, put her face in her hands, and she, she kind of started weeping, like the, like the saddest woman you ever seen. Now I realized then that I had my forty-two on my hip. I drew it, I took a deep breath, and then I stepped around the rock with the gun raised. Rick took a drink, then slowly went on. She didn't see me for a moment. But when she did, she just looked up at me, slow and sad-like, as if she were coming out of some awful dream and to, to a calm realization. That's when I really looked into her eyes for the first time, and I saw sadness that I'd never seen before. I could have pulled the trigger, and maybe I'd have taken that sadness away, but I can't say for sure that it would have done more than piss her off. Instead, I lowered the gun and looked at her, and realize what I was seeing. I'd seen it before and strangers in this place here. 
right here in this bar, people sitting around with no family to speak of, or perhaps a family, but that no longer spoke to them. Sadness is one of those universal languages, like the American of emotions. I, I think you mean English, Bucky said, but Rick didn't hear him. I, I put my gun back in my holster. I could tell that she weren't going to hurt me, and I walked closer to her and said, Yes, it's okay, girl, I ain't going to hurt you. She couldn't understand the words, but she seemed to get the body language all right, and that's when I thought, this here squirt snatch is a smart one. So I stood just marveling at her, and then she stood up, and I nearly fell backwards off my feet. I was surprised to see how tall she was. She was over eight feet tall. Uh-huh, Bucky said, now thoroughly drunken and enthralled by the tail. I reached out my hand, not knowing what else to do, but she took mine, and I instinctively shook her giant hand. She didn't really get the motion, but she seemed to let me lead. I shook hands with a square snatch that day. Doesn't really seem real, Rick said, and Bucky agreed with him. Well, old girl, I said, do you think you could lead me out of here? But she only stood with her ears sort of turned to the forest. I started to walk, but she grabbed me by the shoulder. Her hand went from her palm on my chest to her fingertips back below my shoulder blade. I felt like a toy or something. She raised her finger to her lips just like a human would say, shut the hell up. So I was quieted down and I listened. Something was coming through the bushes. It was chuffing like a bear, but not quite. There was something more human-like to it. The squirrel snatch pushed me back behind a tree, and then she puffed up her chest and began screaming and roaring like she was going to attack. That's when a large pole pine the size of my waist crashed to the ground and out stepped the biggest, blackest squirrel snatch I ever seen. Wait, you've seen them before? Bucky asked, and Rick just gave him a sidelong glance like he was stupid. Anyway, so there was this big old bull in front of me. He stood about two feet taller than her, and he had shoulders like something from a comic book. He rushed her like a linebacker, mixed with some kind of gorilla running on two feet, but then launched himself the last second with all four. She caught him in midair, used his momentum to spin off of him sideways, and then slammed him into the biggest piece of granite around there. The thing's arm broke with an audible crack as it fell to the ground and then writhed in pain and anger. Rick went silent for a moment and then swirled his drink. Why, why were they fighting? Was it like a territorial thing? That or mating, I thought at first, but I'd find out otherwise. So this big old squirt snatch is just bawling and holding its arm. Then it stands up and roars, reaches out with its other, and claws the she snatch across the face, tearing streaks of flesh away. She roared so loud I covered my ears. Then he grabbed her and pulled her towards him, kneeing her in the belly and then sinking his teeth into her shoulder. Blood poured down, matting her fur. She was screaming and trying to pull free, but he held her with his teeth. Then he took his hand and started bending her other arm backwards, and I could see her elbow about to give and hyperextend, so I drew my twenty-two and I fired three rounds square into his back. Blood spurted from three holes, and he roared into the sky and pushed her to the ground, turned and stared me down. She wasn't the ugliest thing in the world after all. His skin and fur was, was black which may have been beautiful if it weren't for his face looking like the flesh had been torn off and sewn back on the bone all wrong and at weird angles. His face was so scarred that things didn't line up anymore, and he was missing an eye, too. He turned and charged me. 
I pulled up my 42 and I got off three rounds, which only managed to slow him down just enough that I dove out of the way and he crashed into the trees, knocking one to the ground. He was bleeding good now, but I couldn't tell if I dealt him a fatal wound, and maybe I wasn't capable of actually killing him. He had two bullet holes in his chest, but I don't think they even passed through the muscle, because if they had, he should have been coughing up his own blood. I had two bullets left, and I planned on firing one at him and saving the other for me, if he didn't stop coming. I'd rather shoot myself than be torn apart limb from limb. He stepped towards me and reached his long finger into one of the wounds in his chest and then pried out the bullet and threw it to the ground. It hadn't even reached the bone. It was just a flesh wound. I leveled my gun on his face and said, Come and get me, you cock-goblin piece of shit! He roared and I fired off a round. His head snapped back and then he fell to the ground, writhing and digging into his mouth with his hands. He spun, crashing into the trees, and I saw from behind that one of the probing fingers had found its way out of the bullet hole through the back of his skull. He fell to the ground like some sort of drunk, not paralyzed, but some circuitry had gotten broken by that bullet. He fell down and thrashed until he was finally just laying there, breathing in rasps. I got close then, perhaps closer than I should have, and pointed at it. I was about to finish him off when I felt a gigantic hand resting on my shoulder. I turned to see her staring down with sadness again, but not anger. She reached down and patted the hair of the he-snatch, and it growled and snapped at her. She grunted a word, and I swear it sounded like, Brother. And then she took his head in her hands and twisted it, snapping his spine the rest of the way. I followed her slowly, deeply into the forest, as she silently carried his body. She walked so softly that you wouldn't have ever known she was there if it weren't for me snapping branches as I walked. We came to a clearing in a small stand of trees. The soil there had recently been disturbed, and there were three mounds, one large and two small. At the head of each mound was a stick doll made from leaves and twigs. One was large, and the other two were small like children. She quickly dug a fourth hole and then dropped this large body into it. She pointed at the three previous mounds and then pointed at the body in the hole. I killed him, I said, and then she grunted. Your brother, your brother killed your family, I asked, and, and she grunted, and then she sat down and wailed. Bucky stared at the man and then decided that he believed him, or wanted to, at least. So what, what happened? Don't know, Rick said. What? How do you, how don't you know? Bucky asked, astonished. Next thing I knew, I woke up back in my camp. My head felt like it was splitting in two and I it had a lump on it. I was lying on ground next to my truck. and Something had drank the whole case of beer I'd brought with me. It was the damnedest thing, he said before he polished off his sixth double vodka before ten that morning. Now didn't that just tickle your tannis with terror? Can you imagine a horror more Metholomew. Metholomew. You have lost your way. Return. What eldritch demon is this? Metholomew. <coughs> Return to monster who, who? Who's there? Ah! A book just flew off the shelf. Matt. 
<coughs> Sorry, I had a frog in my throat. See? There it goes. Matt, you need to continue our work. You need to complete monster porn. Brett, you're dead. Wait, you are dead, right? I am dead. Dead sexy. Aha! Thank you for listening to the Bad Dream Don't Sleep Real Good Fucking Scary Horror Show with your host, Death Scribe Von Gorslet. This week's story was The Squirsnatch, scribed by the occult pen of some sexy mofo named Matt Cummins. The podcast, BDSM, is a product of Monster Porn, which is a product of Orcbox Media, which is a product of four billion years of natural selection, which is a product of the Almighty. I want none of this. Good night, Gorsluts. Skull Child, Child Killer, McSkelebones here. If you enjoyed this episode of BDSM Podcasts, that can't be right. Matt, check the acronym. Here, yeah, in the notes. Yeah. If you enjoyed whatever this was, be sure to review Monster Porn Podcast on Apple Podcasts. Follow Monster Porn Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for more tingling in your Twilight Zones. And check out the official Monster Porn t-shirt with art by Nick Calavera at teespring.com slash stores slash monster porn. And if you didn't enjoy whatever cruel bondage this horror show of a horror show was, you still better give Monster Porn Podcast a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts to tell us we need to go back to the way that we were. Otherwise, you'll have to hear once again. Good night, Gorsluts. From Skullchild, Child Killer, McSkillaboner, or something like that. Good night, Gorsluts. From Char... Fuck, that's not my name. Now, this dark verse of this lore... And my voice needs a break. (laughs) Going straight for a double shot to kick her off. Because he was sober. And what? (laughs) Rick Drummond. A lean, weathered man said... Dang it. (laughs) Sitting next to the newly half-empty glass, and Bucky noticed two more sitting by the bartender's damn it, Cassidy, stop texting me. (laughs) Screwdrivers, a breakfast of champions, Tina said and winked at Rick. There was more in that rink than mere flirtation. (laughs) Did I say rink? And Bucky noticed two more were sitting by the bartender's wash station. <laughs> that didn't feel right at all. It didn't sound quite right. Yeah, wash station. Wash. Wash. Bucky started, but Rick cut him off. Went up the local access road off of 24, went 30 yards in, and turned by Coos Creek over the old river bread. <laughs> didn't know, 
but Rick kept going. Where the hill swells back and then drops off, there's this game trail of sorts. You know, it's there and you can follow it in, and I fucked up that sentence so bad. It's big for a black bear, here anyways. But there was a boar that chased her off on my bait, and you want to know a big un... Like there was too much moisture, just too many mat-natural. No, I'm hot-tailing it the hell out of there. I was faster than her, but I was... Oh, shit, no, I wasn't faster than her because she's a squirrel snatch. I wasn't faster than her, but I was surprised. God damn it, I read it wrong again. That or mating. I thought at first, but then I uh, thought of... was screaming and trying to pull free. But he held her hands with his, with his teeth. Shit, that what doesn't make sense with with the rest I wrote. <laughs> and then she took his hand in her hands. <laughs> nope. <laughs> One was large, and the other two were small, like children. She quickly dug a third hole, and then she, well, this would actually have been the fourth hole because there was other two holes already. And my math ain't so good. <laughs> two and I it had a lump on it. I was lying on the ground next to my trunk and my trunk, my truck, 